Welcome to Divorce Happy Hour, your source for everything about divorce. Today, I have a very special guest, Katie Lewis. Katie Lewis is an attorney in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And by that, and I'm not from the Dallas-Fort Worth area, it's apparently a very large area, so she covers it all because she's that good. She covers the whole area. But her office is in northern Dallas. She practices divorce and family law exclusively. She is board certified in family law by the Texas Board of Legal Specialization. A big mouthload, but that just means she knows what she's doing. Um, and most important of all, she's a graduate of Texas A&M. Whoop! Uh, if you can't tell, I'm from there too. <laughs> um, if you would like to reach Katie, you can reach her at 972-805-8340. You can also find her on Facebook. Just go on Facebook and search Katie Lewis Family Law. And on her Facebook page, she has the most awesome pictures of her office. I'm like, can you? You're going to want to go visit her just by looking at the pictures of her office. I guarantee it. Um, you can also follow her on Twitter at Katie Lewis Law. And um, I noticed on Twitter she has a link to a bunch of really, really good uh, blogs about a lot of things that are happening. So you definitely want to follow her there, too. So thanks for joining us today, Katie. Thank you so much for having me. I, it's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. So today's topic is um, how coronavirus is um, impacting, and the economy that's uh, incident to coronavirus, how it's impacting people's support obligations, child support, spousal support, and all of those sorts of things. And, um, you know, and what's the court doing? How is this all working? What can people expect, um, you know, as we move forward? So the first thing I just want to remind all of our, um, everyone who's listening to this, both in uh, Texas and New Jersey and around the country, is that this show is for general information only, and it is not legal advice. Um, today, you're going to hear um, from Katie and from me. I'm from New Jersey. Katie is from Texas. So, you know, a lot of what we're going to say may be only applicable to those two places. So if you need legal advice about your particular circumstance and you live in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, give Katie a call. And if you live in New Jersey, you can give New Jersey Divorce Solutions a call. Um, and if you live anywhere else in the country, Katie and I both have a network of attorneys that we know and trust all over the country. So if you're listening to this and you need some advice about your circumstances and you live in, you know, Chicago or you live in California, um, still you can give Katie's office a call or, or my office a call and we can try to find an attorney that we can refer you to and you can get the advice that you need. All right. So let's get started. Katie, what is going on with the courts in Dallas right now? Like, is it easy to get in? What are they doing? Okay, so it's been a work in progress throughout this whole pandemic. Uh, what first started happening were immediately hearings were being canceled and the courts were shutting down. And then, um, thankfully, our Texas Supreme Court started issuing some emergency orders orders that pertain to how to appear in person versus virtually like we're doing right now. And so right now the courts are hearing what are called essential matters and essential matters generally fall under family violence type categories. But the, as this goes on, they are also hearing some non-essential issues. And that would be things like modification of child support, um, and temporary orders during the pendency of a divorce. 
So I had my first Zoom hearing two days ago in the Dallas courts with regards to the issue of child support and modifying it during this time. And so my office is completely virtual. We are here ready to go and um, we have not lost any momentum whatsoever. And we are getting the assistance now virtually through the courts to get our clients relief, such as needing to modify their support given their economic issues. Well, that's really good. Um how is Texas with technology at New Jersey just on this coming Monday will be the first time ever we can file papers in the family court electronically. And I, they begrudgingly are doing it because, you know, there's no other option now, but how is Texas with technology in terms of filing things? Well, you are making me very blessed to be in Texas. <laughs> so we have been, the Texas courts have been electronic by state mandate approximately, I think, two to three years now. And so in your bigger counties here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, Dallas County, Collin County, Tarrant, and Denton, the courts are equipped with Zoom hearing technology and virtual conferencing. And so they are doing all types of kinds of hearings right now. And they're actually going way better than any of us expected um, with regards to the setup and the speed. Additionally, we're able to conduct mediations virtually as well here. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. So you can still get stuff done even when the courts are not really working because you can still do mediation and arbitration and all those other things that we, you probably try to convince your clients to do all of those things, right? Yes. And I mean, most of my clients are, are still wanting to move their case along even during this time of uncertainty. So because of the electronic filing, we have not seen any lag in our ability to file cases. We can still file divorce petitions and modification petitions, and we're still able to get hearings set, and the judges are doing those remotely and virtually. So in talking about modifying child support and um, alimony, do you guys call it alimony or spousal support in Texas? Call it spousal support in Texas. Okay, so we're, we're still old-fashioned. maintenance is the technical term. I feel like alimony is almost like a bad word. It's like a curse word. Um, so, uh, so talking about filing the um, petition to modify support, are the courts hearing those matters right now? I know you said that they, I wasn't sure. Are they hearing them at all or is it just if it's an emergency? Nope, they are hearing them now. Um, that, the hearing that I had two days ago was actually um, modifying the um, obligor's child support during this time. And so the courts are hearing those virtually and um, we're able to get in just like we were before. And uh, for the non-lawyers out there, obligor means the one writing the checks, right? Signing <laughs> those checks, paying the child support. So right now, um, as, as anyone watching the news has heard, um, about 10% of the entire workforce in the United States has lost their job in the last you know, month, which is crazy. I mean, that's just tons of people dealing with unemployment. And, and I'm married to someone who actually works in um, the labor department here in New Jersey. And the amount of processing they're having to do with unemployment is it's insane because I don't think any state really was prepared for what was coming. Um, so we have this sudden job loss everywhere. And so there's a lot of people that are going to be impacted. So if someone calls your office and let's say they're paying spousal support um, and they call your office and they just got laid off from working at, let's say a financial institution, you know, a big bank, 
and uh, they were making $250,000 a year. And all of a sudden they find themselves without a job and it's sudden. What, what is it that your advice would be to them? Should you, are you going to tell them let's go right to court and get into court or you, do you have a process that you lay out for them before you would actually go into court? Yes, absolutely. And um, so what is very important is to get your petition to modify, whether it be your child support or your spousal maintenance on file immediately. That filing date is very, very important with regards to when the start date of any modification or lower amount will begin. So it is imperative to take action immediately and get something on file and get the case started so that you can get the relief that you want as quickly as possible. Okay, well that's, I mean, that's certainly really good. I know that, um, I know that in New Jersey, our, our courts really don't want anyone to file anything unless there really hasn't been a permanent, substantial, and involuntary change in your circumstances. And unfortunately, um, you know, courts typically here anyway, don't feel like if you just lost your job that you've demonstrated you've got a permanent change in circumstances. It sort of requires that next step that you can't go find a diligent effort, another job making around the same. Um, so I, I know here we're trying to figure out how our court's going to deal with this situation in the permanency of the change. Because I remember back in 2008, our courts anyway, had a hard time dealing with, you know, is the job loss permanent because the the odds of them getting another job are just reduced right now because it's just a shit show everywhere in the economy. How do courts in Texas look at that sort of stuff? Well, it was interesting to hear your mouthful of the legal burden required to change something in Texas. I do know something. <laughs> ours is a little bit more succinct and it's a material substantial change in circumstances. And so um, we don't use the word permanent. And that's why it is so imperative to get something filed and get the issue heard quickly. Because if you've lost your job, and let's say that um, you have the type of job that is, is completely suffering in this economy, you own a restaurant, and you have seen um, a complete decrease in your income or lack of income, then what the court can do is when we file, we can get what's called a temporary orders hearing set. And it's a order that will be in place during the pendency of the case. So let's say right now you have um, completely lost your job. And so we could do a temporary modification of the child support. And then come summertime when you're back up and running with your regular income, then we get it modified back to that original amount. But the burden to get it done immediately there is no permanency. It is just a material and substantial change in circumstances. How does voluntariness go into this? Uh, I know that here, a lot of times we're fighting about whether or not the change was truly involuntary versus voluntary. I mean, right now it Correct. seems pretty simple, right? You know, if, if, you're, if the employer is laying off everybody, it's pretty involuntary, right? But um, oh, yeah. in other situations, you have people that are given a choice. I mean, I've heard... I just heard on the news the other day that Boeing is offering their employees, you know, basically a way to just leave the company. Um, how does the court, how do the courts in Texas kind of look at this voluntariness of your change? Right. So the courts are going to look at not only your income, but also some of your assets. And so, for instance, if you have, um, if you're receiving dividends or um, have retirement accessible to you to pay your child support obligation, those are factors to be considered. 
Um, the main thing the court looks at is what is your earning potential? And so if you have voluntarily left your job, that is definitely something that can be considered and whether or not you're entitled to a reduction of your child support at that time. Um, thankfully, I haven't really been seeing that right now. Unfortunately, in the, the climate that we're in, I, I don't see people taking voluntary choices um, with regards to termination or just leaving a job. People are doing the best that they can. And so, you know, if you get a severance pack package, the court's going to look at that and consider that on um, how, if they're going to adjust your child support and how they're going to do it. So what about, go, what about going forward? I mean, right now they're going to be giving unemployment checks are going to be enhanced, I think $600 a week or something like that. So think of someone maybe on the lower income scale, like maybe someone who's making in the $50,000, $60,000 range. Uh, by my calculations, they might be getting almost as much now um, with unemployment than they were when they were working. So do, does, uh, does Texas take the unemployment benefits into account or when they're doing these temporary orders? Is it really just, I lost my job, so temporarily we're just going to you know, cut, your, cut your support until we figure out whether or not you should have, you're entitled to relief? Absolutely. Um, unemployment earnings are definitely considered in child support calculations. Um, what I'm seeing a lot of are people that are having their salaries cut in half. So you might have somebody who's making 60000 and now they're making 30000 And that's a significant change in your income and the amount of child support that you'd be obligated to pay under a $30,000 salary. And so those are definitely factors the court will consider and every case is individual everyone's different everyone's got different circumstances and all those circumstances are going to be evaluated but the most important thing is to get something on file to preserve that modification date that is so that's so important um, I know that one thing we we typically do a lot of here um, because our courts in New Jersey really expect um, people to try to resolve things before they come to court um, so we do use, um, in the child support context, more often than uh, the alimony context, is we usually send out a letter consistent with the federal law that says you can't retroactively modify child support, but it does say that if you put someone on notice that there's been a change in circumstances and you file something within 45 days, uh, in New Jersey at least, that date of that letter can be used as a retroactive date. Do you guys have anything similar like that in Texas that you guys do? No, we don't. It's the filing of the petition to modify the obligation. That's the, that's the start date. Well, that's, I mean, it sounds like a much better system than what we have here, but um, <laughs> it's so different, right? So I guess you've heard, um, well, allegedly, many people are going to be getting these stimulus checks from the government in the next week or two or three or 10 or 15 or 20. I don't know when they're going to come, but um, there's a lot of people out there that owe a lot of child support. Um, have you been hearing anything about how Texas, the Texas Child Support Agency that collects child support is going to handle this? Because I've heard that if you owe child support, you're not supposed to be getting a stimulus check. I mean, that's what I've been hearing. Have you heard anything rumbling? I've heard, I've heard the same I've heard the same thing as well. Um, the Texas Attorney General's Office handles the child support, uh, um, collecting child support. And so... They've always historically done things like they, if you get a tax refund in a year, they'll yank that refund if you owe child support to apply that towards the child support arrearage. 
So I don't know the answer to that for sure, but I absolutely would not be surprised if you're getting a stimulus check or entitled to one, if the attorney general doesn't reach in and try to get some of it to pay any back child support that you owe. Oh, and they, sh and they should. They should absolutely do that because, I mean, raising a kid costs a lot of money. And if you're not paying your child support, these stimulus checks are really important. You know, one thing yes. that I've, I realized when I was going through these stimulus checks is something that I have never put in a settlement agreement, but, you know, you live and learn. And now I'm thinking, so if you, everyone who has a child is going to get this extra $500, if you qualify for the stimulus check to begin with. Right. And so I was thinking it's all based on who claimed the child in, I'm, I think, in 2018 or 2019. So it just occurred to me that perhaps something as divorce attorneys we should think about is putting in provisions in the settlement agreement, because you probably address who claims the child as a, as a tax deduction in your agreements. Is that correct? We do, we do sometimes, yes. Okay, so we usually do that just to make sure there's no confusion, but I just was thinking this is important. Who gets, who gets any kind of government benefits like this in the future? Because I never thought about putting this in an agreement because you know sometimes you just wait for something to happen and you're like, whoa, who's going to get this money? Um, and it's really, it's really interesting. Um, I mean, sometimes who gets the benefits is pretty obvious. You know, if you've got a, a traditional parenting situation where somebody has the majority of the um, time with the kid and the other parent only has like alternate weekends or something like that, um, that's pretty obvious. The ones that are harder is when people are closer to 50-50, where they're, you know, closer to having equal time with the kid. Then it's, then it's sort of, uh, everyone's got a good argument for why they need this extra stimulus for their child. But it's just something to think about. I just, i I'm always hearing things that I'm like, Ooh, I never addressed that in a settlement agreement before I should start doing that now. No, Cause I don't know how you, I don't know how you feel, but I feel like the best job we can do as attorneys is to prepare settlement agreements in such a way that our clients never have to come back to us again. So like anything that's foreseeable, how, how do you feel about settlement agreements? Um, I, I completely agree. It is so important for the lawyer to be forward thinking and anticipating things. And I, I always tell my clients, look, I'm a very optimistic, positive person, but my job and my representation of you is to anticipate and let you know certain circumstances that I've seen happen and develop. And so when we're drafting your divorce decree or your settlement agreement that the divorce decree is going to be based upon, my job is to be forward thinking and help control and limit those types of issues because yeah, I don't want you to have to come back to me later. And I want you to stay out of court. So that's definitely what's best for you and your co-parent and your children. Oh, absolutely. Um, talking about child support specifically, um, whenever you were talking about how the court can uh, fashion a temporary uh, relief while you're waiting for a, a final hearing to decide whether or not you should permanently get a modification, um, these child support temporary changes, are they, are they based on the child support guidelines or does the judge just come up with a number that's fair in that circumstance? Yes, they are based upon the guidelines. Texas has very hard, fast rules on how we calculate our child support. And it's based upon the monthly net income. And additional child support is also payment of the, the child's health and dental monthly insurance premium. And so there's not a bunch of factors that are considered. It's, it's really the person who pays what their monthly net income is, and it's a percentage of that. So for instance, one child is 20%. 
Um, we don't take into consideration the person who receives the child support, their level of income. That's not even considered. Um, it's literally just the amount of income. You guys are like um, our neighbors up here in New York. Um, and I've, I did not know Texas was like that too. It's, and it's crazy for people uh, in states that have the other set of guidelines, which is what New Jersey have, which is where both parties' incomes go in. You add them together and then you divide up uh, support based on proportionate, proportionate income of the two parties. So it's so interesting how, um, it, you know, if you're listening to this or watching this, you need to remember that every state is so different and don't go out on the internet and Google stuff and just think, oh, that's what applies to me. What do you think about when people come in to see you and they're like, well, I read on Google that if I leave the house that I don't have any right to it anymore. Is that, you know, <laughs> so I'm going to stay in the house. And I'm like, where are you reading this stuff at? What, 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 do, you, what, what do you go through uh, when people come to your office saying stuff about Google? Oh, man, I've heard. I've, there's so many bad things out there on the Internet. The first thing I tell them is quit Googling. Quit looking at this. Just like I'm sure doctors think when we Google our own ailments. And no, we are trained professionals. You need to listen to our advice. And if I hear people getting misinformation on the internet, I say, look, go to my website. Check my website out. And it's going to have information that's relevant to your case and something for you to reference. Yeah, I mean, I tell, I tell people... Listen, you should consider me to be your Google now. So if you have a question, send me an email and I'll send you the answer. Just like, just if you asked your, um, your Google Home a question. I'm, I'm, your, I'm your Google Home. Excellent. I, I think I'm going to have to steal that one. You should, you should. Um, yeah. So let's talk about health insurance. You know, we, we still live in a society where most people get their health insurance through their place of employment. So yes. people are losing their jobs. Um, and, and with that goes health insurance for the kids. So how, how do you guys deal with that in Texas? Well, both parents have an obligation to make sure children are covered by health insurance. And so generally our orders are going to have one of those parents having that responsibility to cover it. So if that um, parent loses their job and no longer has that availability to them, they need to let the other co-parent know so that co-parent can possibly enroll the children immediately onto their health insurance plan, which would, it would be a qualifying event that they could do um, so that there is no lapse in the health insurance. So if, that, if that's really the only change, is there, do you guys have any kind of automatic changes to child support because of that? Or do they still have to go through the whole process, file an application? They have to, yes. Right. They do, okay. Um, nothing, nothing automatic. Do you guys have automatic? Changes? No, but what? No, but what I what I tend to do, and this goes back to matrimonial settlement agreements, or what do you guys call them? Or is that what you call them, or something else? Um, if we've gone to mediation, we call them like a mediated settlement agreement. Oh. Um, if it's in, we'll just call it a settlement agreement. Um, I've seen y'all settlement agreements in Texas, and they are they are quite something. They are um, totally different than what a little wordy. What? We get a little wordy. Oh, I would say so. I mean, it's like you go through like 10 pages before you actually get to any substance of what the parties agreed to. But again, every state is so different. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, again, this goes back to a settlement agreement and what's foreseeable. What, something that's foreseeable, someone's going to lose their health insurance. Either they're going to lose their job or their employer is going to discontinue health insurance. 
Um, and health insurance is one of those things that's in flux so much in the country. So one thing that we've started doing is putting in like automatic formulas. Now, obviously, if someone doesn't um, cooperate, then you'd have to go to court, but at least have an automatic formula in place so that people don't have to go to court. Um, the other thing that is really popular here is requiring people to go to mediation before they file anything with the court. Most people will put that into uh, settlement agreements and judges put that into orders that they issue, like particularly like people that frequent, uh, frequent fl uh, flyers, basically. Um, yes. So you have to go to mediation before you come back to court. Do you guys have anything like that? Um, sometimes a lot of parties do agree to go to mediation before they file again. And I have seen in some of the very litigious cases, judge or, judges ordering that um, prior to, to filing anything. Obviously, except in the case of an emergency, you can immediately file to seek relief. But um, I, think it's, I think it's a great opportunity. There's also things available here like parenting facilitators and coordinators that co-parents can work with um, post-divorce. Uh, or post, you know, whatever your final order is to work out these types of issues so you can stay out of the courtroom. Which is the goal, which is the goal. It is the goal. It's, it's, uh, it's one of those things where, um, you know, people, people don't think about it until they're sitting in a courtroom. And I'm sure Texas is like New Jersey. And courtrooms are open to the public. I mean, I tell people all the time, uh, are you guys open to the public? Oh, oh, yes. Okay, so... Do you want your entire life spewed about where anyone can hear? I mean, I, it's amazing to me that people... Well, not only that, the judge doesn't know you. The judge will never know you. And they're only hearing snippets of your life and then making decisions that affect you and your family. And so I, I'm a bit of a control freak, and I would rather have control over what I'm going to be doing moving forward as opposed to handing it over to a judge who doesn't know me from anyone. Yeah. I, no offense judges. No, listen, I, I think the judges don't want to have to make decisions either. Not because they're lazy, but because they don't want to make decisions about who, who, which parent the kid's going to live with or how much money someone's going to get. They really want us to make those decisions. And by us, I mean like the, the litigants and the attorneys, they want us to help make those decisions uh, so they don't have to. So that's fine. Um, so I guess the, the last issue you've sort of already answered and it's really, you know, giving your system so much different than New Jersey, it's a little disturbing to me just on a variety of uh, levels, but so job loss of the person receiving child support has no bearing on anything. So if someone loses their job, there's no mechanism for them to come get more child support. No, because child support is calculated based upon the income of the person who owes the child support. Oh, so wow. if your job, it's not going to change how much child support you receive because that's not in the formula of how we calculate child support. I just, it's just, I guess, you know, it's, we all are, you know, we all live with what we've been used to and what we've, uh, you know, what our system is. It just, yes. that whole, that whole thing just drives me crazy. Cause I'm thinking like, what if the person receiving child support makes $800,000 a year, the person paying only makes 50 grand a year in New Jersey, that 50 grand a year person would have child support, but it would be like an almost non-existent obligation because of the income disparity of the person that has custody of the kids. Sounds like in Texas, it don't matter. Nope. Oh my. All right. So, um, 
I, I guess if uh, I, that's a, probably a discussion for a different day of uh, which form you want to you'd want to be in in various situations. <laughs> so you make- I, I, I completely agree. <laughs> um, all right. Well, I think I hope that gave everyone um, a little flavor of the types of issues that we're all going through um, right now in this coronavirus crisis that we're in. This crisis that no one knows when it's going to end. But we all know that the economic impacts of it are going to continue for months and months and months and maybe even years. So again, if you're in the Dallas-Fort Worth area and you um, need some advice about what's happening in your particular situation and what job loss or changes in your income might need for um, spousal support or child support, please give Katie's office a call at seven. I'm sorry, at nine seven two eight zero five eight three four zero. Um, she is an awesome attorney, if you can't tell by just listening to her on this, um, on this show. And she is going to be able to hook you up with the right information you need to make decisions about what's going on with your life. If you are in New Jersey and you need advice, you can give New Jersey Divorce Solutions a call at 732-384-1550, and we can hook you up. If you live anywhere else, please give either Katie or myself a call, and we will find someone for you. Thank you so much, Katie, for joining us today. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. All right, we're done.